Well, can we uh, collectively say happy birthday to Bayou City Fellowship? That's right. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy ninth birthday. We're so excited, and we're here not to celebrate this particular local church, but the head of the church, Jesus Christ, who Amen. called a group of people nine years ago to start this church, and God has used this church, has grown this church, has established this church, has reformed this church, and we're so thankful, and we celebrate him today. Um, I just want to share, as part of our talk on the vision of why do we plant churches? Why do we plant churches? And I want to share with you the vision of why we plant churches. Um, so from 2010 to about 2016, I was the team chaplain for the University of Texas at San Antonio's football team under the uh, coaching of Larry Coker, former national champion. 2016, he resigned and they had a new coach come in and I was about to contact the new coach and the Holy Spirit said no, and you've had that perhaps before in your life. And so I just said, all right, I'm not going to reach out to the new coach, even though I've been there. I was actually their first team chaplain. And then uh, a few weeks later, I met with the head chaplain for the Rockets, and he asked me, he said, hey, I've been praying for the last two years to add to our team, and so I want to ask you to consider being part of our team and be a chaplain for the Houston Rockets. And so a week later, I uh, accepted the offer and became a chaplain. That was also the same year that... Mike D'Antoni became the head coach of the Rockets as well. So we started at the same time. And I remember all the press conferences during the preseason and early on. The question was asked of Mike D'Antoni, Coach D'Antoni, which is asked of all pastors, all leaders, all CEOs and coaches, is what is your vision for the team? And so he began to share the vision for the team, and we are starting to see it now. Obviously, they're playing for the championship or striving for the championship, playing a version of basketball called small ball. And he began to share his vision. And so I just want to share the vision of why we plant churches. And the reason why is a very simple word, and it was really the ministry and life and purpose of Jesus, the vision of Jesus, the vision of Paul, the vision of many of the Old Testament patriarchs and many of the New Testament patriarchs. And it was a vision of something we call the kingdom of God. Now, before you jump and think of a place, because often we hear the word kingdom, we think of the magic kingdom, we think of the United Kingdom, we think of Wakanda, we think of a place. Before you run there, the word kingdom in Greek is the Greek word basileia, from which we get the English words basilica and basil. Basilica means a royal entry because the word basileia means royal or reign or king or dominion. And the word basil, here's a little tidbit for Jeopardy nerds, the word basil, the herb that we used to cook, Basil was used, they believe, to make perfume and cologne for royalty, and they would also put it in baths to make an aromatic bath, and so basil became the royal herb, and that's why it's called basil. And so here's the thing. Before anything that we see existed, the earth, the planets, anything that you touch and see existed, before, and get this, even before time existed, God has always been the ruler. God has always had dominion. God has always been the king. He's always been that. Psalm 103 verse 19 says that God sits on a throne in heaven and he rules sovereignly. He's always been the king. And that's what the word kingdom means. You could actually change the word and call it the reign of God or the rule of God. And this is what happened. God created angels. And as you know, in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, a third of the angels rebelled and they followed after Lucifer, after Satan and rebelled. And we saw rebellion enter the world. And this is what God did. God, because he is ruler, he does everything to expand his rule because it will ultimately bring more glory to him. And so this is what God did. God created beings a little lower than angels. 
And those are referred to as you and I, as human beings. He created beings a little lower than angels to show his glory what he could do with a lesser being lower than angels, to do something far greater than he could do with the angels. And so what happened was, as you know the story in Genesis chapter 3, uh, temptation enters, uh, they're asked to eat from the tree of life, and they eat it, sin enters the world. And it seems like, at that point, that God's plan for expanding his kingdom, his rule, has been thwarted by the enemy, who again, has caused this cosmic rebellion. But this is what happens, God always has a, a master plan, because he, he is the master, and so he tells them that one day there's someone coming who will crush the head of Satan, who will be bruised on the heel, suffer a temporary blow, but will crush the head of the enemy. And as you know, that is called, as some of you know, the proto-euangelion, the first mention of the gospel, the coming Messiah, the coming king. And so that's what God decided to do. He worked through Israel initially, but then he established what's called the mystery in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And that mystery was this body known as the church. In, in the Gospels, 126 times the word kingdom of God or the rule of God is mentioned. And so Christ came first as the lamb to sacrifice his life because, again, sin has entered the world. And because sin has entered the world, we cannot have a relationship and be submitted to this king, to God, because of the fact that sin has blocked our submission. So what did uh, God do? He sent his only begotten son. Christ died on the cross so that we can now have access. We can have access to the king. And because of Christ's death and our faith in him, we have access now to the king. And now we can willingly, voluntarily submit to him. We can boldly enter the throne room of grace because now we have access to him. Before that was blocked by sin, but now we have permanent access, both in time and in eternity, to him. Uh, I always arrive to the Rockets games about two hours early, about two hours for tip-off, and so I usually sit on the visitor side to welcome the visiting team to chapel. And so I'm sitting there one day, and normally I'm the only one there, but on this occasion, there are already hundreds of people there at the arena. Security is extra tight. Parking is even more difficult than normal. I'm wondering, who's arriving two hours for the game, and why is everyone here so early? And it's because it dawned on me as I looked around the arena, there were people wearing purple and gold. It's because the Lakers were in town, and everyone was there to see the king, LeBron James. And so as people are there, I'm sitting courtside inviting the players who are warming up to come to chapel, but everyone else, they're looking at it from the upper level, the middle level, or the lower level, but here I am sitting courtside meeting and talking to the players because here's something that I have that others don't. What I have is something called an all-access pass, and so because of my role as team chaplain, this all-access pass gives me access anywhere in the Toyota Center. I can go on the court. I can go in the locker room, the team dining room, and so this is what I did. As LeBron James was finishing warming up, everyone else was taking photos from the upper level or the middle level, but I got a chance to go actually onto the court because I've got access and so everyone else was admiring the king from afar, but because I had access, authorized access, I was able to go on the court, shook his hand, looked up to him and spoke to him and said, hey, LeBron, just want to invite you to chapel. Starts an hour before tip-off. Would love to see you there. And he thanked me. And as he began to walk off the court, I walked alongside him and just chatted with him. And so this is what that access allowed me to do. It allowed me to walk with the king, talk to the king, and even touch the king. And here's what's happening with so many believers today is that we're admiring King Jesus from afar. 
We're admiring him from a distance. We're content with just worshiping him from a distance rather than walking with and talking with the king. And that's what we are now uh, having access to do. We can now walk with King Jesus and now submit to him. And here's how the kingdom of God grows on the earth. Because the church is a visual representation of people who have spiritually submitted to the lordship or kingship of Jesus Christ. And the most effective way to do that in this world, studies have shown, is through church planting. And so 11 years ago, Curtis Jones and Amanda Jones received a call, a vision for this church known as Bayou City Fellowship. They called a group of friends together to plant Bayou City Fellowship. That one church in Spring Branch soon grew to Cyprus and then soon to Tomball. So now we have planted three churches and God has used these churches to reach thousands and thousands of people. But here's the thing, here's the thing. We can plant a mega church every week in Houston, in greater Houston, 7.1 million people growing day by day. We can plant a mega church, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 person church every week in Houston for 52 weeks and we would still not have enough churches to reach all the people who are coming here. And so our work is not done and that's why we are committed to planting churches because again, the vision of Jesus, Luke chapter four, he says, I came to proclaim the kingdom of God. That is my purpose. The uh, book of Acts ends in Acts 28, verse 31. Paul says basically he spent the rest of his days proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus Christ. And so again, the way that this kingdom grows on earth is when people spiritually submit to Jesus Christ as our king because they've come into a relationship with him through faith in Christ. And that is the kingdom of God where Christ is now ruling in that person's life, in that family's life, in that church's life, in that community's life because people have submitted to the king. Uh, this is what the church is called to be. The church is called to be this. Uh, my, my mom passed away uh, in October, about a year ago. And after she passed away, I had to go to the consulate here in Houston. She's a Japanese citizen. I'm a U.S. citizen, but I had to go to the consulate. And this is what a consulate or an embassy is. An embassy is a little bit of that country, of that realm, that's now represented in another realm. That's what an embassy is. And that's what God has called us to be. 2 Corinthians 5.20, he calls believers ambassadors because we represent another kingdom. Jesus says in John 18 that my kingdom is not of this realm. It's not earthly. And my kingdom is infinite. So if you think a, a, a nation like America or even Japan or Brazil represent the kingdom, he says, no, 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 because all those are temporary kingdoms. No political party can capture the kingdom of God because we cannot capture the infinite with the finite because one day all those parties will disappear. So Jesus says to believers, to us, that he says, hey, my kingdom is not of this realm. And Paul says, we are ambassadors and the call of the church is to be an embassy. So if people wonder, what does marriage look like in the kingdom of God, in this other realm, they would hopefully see our marriage and say, ooh, that marriage is different, the way they love each other and sacrifice one another. If they wonder, what does it look like if you're single? What does it look like if you're an engineer? What does it look like if you're a doctor or maintenance worker? What does it look like if you're a teacher in this other realm as you're an ambassador representing this other kingdom? And that's what the church is called to be. And so here's the great news. We have planted 
uh, close to a dozen churches, either directly or indirectly, in the nine years that we've existed. We've given away, I think, like over $100,000 to help start these churches. Again, most of them indirectly, or, um, both indirectly and directly. And here's the other good news. We have helped support organizations that are committed to church planting, like Houston Church Planters Network. I just sent an email to their director. We're hoping to do some more things in 2021 with them, some training for pastors and church planters because the growing need here in greater Houston is for multi-ethnic, multicultural church planters and Bay Cities Fellowship Spring Branch. We wanna be on the leading edge. We wanna be the tip of the spear to help that movement of planting multi-ethnic, multicultural churches in this very multicultural city to represent a multicultural, multi-ethnic kingdom, the kingdom of God. And here's the other piece. Uh, Afghanistan, the country, has 37 million people who live there. They estimate that there are only several thousand Christians there. There are no established local churches. All the churches there are secret churches that meet in homes and meet underground because it's illegal to assemble and to proselytize, to share the gospel. And so can you imagine a country with 37 million people and the number of Christians is about the size of Bayou City Fellowship. So if you think the need is great in greater Houston, I would say the need is greater even around the world. And so we're committed not just to planting churches here in greater Houston, as the Lord leads us, but also around the world as well. And God has used this church to help establish and plant churches, local churches around the world as well. So that is the vision. The vision is the kingdom. We wanna see God's glory expand, that we wanna see his fame we don't want to expand our fame to make any of us famous, to make uh, this church famous. We want to make God famous in this world. We want to see his glory expand as men and women, boys and girls, submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's uh, how God's kingdom grows. And the primary way he does that is through church planting. Let me close with this. My time is up. Um, I may have to stand for this one because I always get so excited. Uh, when, when I was a football chaplain, this is, this is football chapel. I, I still do football chapel regularly. I did it for Louisiana Tech last year, for some other colleges during the year. Is the coach wants you as a chaplain, it's basically a spiritual pregame speech. He's, he basically wants you to get God to be on our side. We're about to face against Rice. We're about to play University of Houston. We're about to play UT. We wanna make sure to get God's kingdom on our side. But here's the thing. God's kingdom never comes to take, uh, take sides. God's kingdom always comes to take over. And so I remember giving a couple of these pregame chapel speeches and the coach always says to me, if we win tomorrow, we'll bring you back. Because in their mindset, their idea is, let's get God's kingdom to be on our side. The first time I did NBA chapel, it blew me away. I did chapel last year when the Warriors are playing the Rockets. Here it is, this decisive playoff series. They're battling to get into the NBA finals, this decisive playoff series. And the way that NBA chapel is different from football chapel is really, I think, a vision of the church. For a lot of churches and denominations, they want to get God to be on our side. We want to win. But NBA chapel is different in this sense. And this is what the church is called to be. Because NBA chapel is both for the home team, the Rockets, but also visiting team as well. And so I remember the first time I did chapel, it blew me away because here we were, with about a third of the Rockets players there, some of the coaches there. We had about a third of the Warriors there and some of their coaches as well. And th what they're saying with that statement is this, is that even though in one hour we're about to battle it out for the NBA Finals, 
In this moment, this 15 minutes, we as brothers in Christ are submitted under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Your uniform, my uniform, my team, your team fades away because we are submitted under one king representing one kingdom, Jesus Christ. And that's what God has called the church to be. And I pray that we would see embassies, representations of God's kingdom popping up all over greater Houston and all around the world. And my prayer, our prayer, is that God would use Bayou City Fellowship to continue to plant churches, little embassies, pictures of God's kingdom all around the world. God bless you. That's amazing. I just wanna stand and, uh, and just cheer. And so if you're at home watching, you need to stand and cheer what you just heard. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, because, because that is, is what Bayou City is about. We are about the name of Jesus, the fame of Jesus going into the world. We have been about that for nine years and we are here to continue that mission. And we are celebrating the birthday uh, of Bayou City. But honestly, we are uh, just a part of what God has been doing for a long, long time. And we get to jump into that mission as he goes forward. Um, there's three statements of the vision. What, Icky just covered that we are a, a church that plants churches. Um, I'm covering the one that says that we are for the city and for the world. And, and I, I love that idea because if we're honest with ourselves, I think as we walk through most of life, we, we ask the question, what's in it for us? Um, like, what, what's in it for me? Uh, what, what benefits can I get by being a part of this organization or these people? And, um, and God's people don't ask that question. God's people don't ask, what's in it for me? They ask, um, how can I be a blessing in this place? Um, Abraham, the OJ, the original Jew, um, he was given uh, this blessing by God. He said, I will give you land, I will give you seed, and I will give you blessing, right? And you, through you, I will bless the world, right? And so the promise to Abraham wasn't that you're gonna have a lot of stuff. It's actually a promise that I'm gonna go through you to bless the entire world. God's vision is that he would have people, kingdom ambassadors in every place in the world in which he can pour his blessing through, that they would be for the places that they are. And let's just be honest, um, the city has a lot of good and a lot of bad. The city has a lot of good things to offer. As Icky has said, we have an ama amazing sports teams, we have amazing people, there are so many great things in this city, but there's also a lot of sin and brokenness. And God's people have a responsibility to go into the city and to make the city better than it was before. We have a responsibility to be kingdom representatives and make this place better than it was before. The, the goal, and I, I've heard so many people on staff say this about Bayou City, the goal of Bayou City um, is that when, when we are here, we are the place that people phone up to call for help. That they would know that they have a, a, a place that cares, that loves, and will move to meet the needs of the people that are here. The people of Israel were called to do this. In Jeremiah chapter 29, um, God gives the Jewish people a, uh, a bad word. He says, you're gonna be taken from your homeland and put in, in exile. You're gonna go to Babylon. And there's many false prophecies going on there. Some, some false prophets are saying, hey, they're, they're gonna pull you back out. You're gonna be able to go somewhere else soon. You'll go back to Hawaii. It'll be great. And, 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 and so they're giving them different messages. And, and then Jeremiah steps in and says, okay, th those, those are not true. He says in Jeremiah 29, verses four through seven, he says, I want you to go there and I, I want you to plant life because for the next 70 years, you're going to be there. 
And so what do you need to do while you're there? Do you need to be a leech on the city? Do you need to work your way into places of power? Do you need to move in influence so you can pull power towards your own direction to your own benefit? Actually, God gives none of that advice. What God says is this. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. He says, I want you to build homes. I want you to build families. I want you to um, be kingdom representatives in this place. And listen, plant roots because you're gonna be here for a while. Plant gardens. And if you've ever planted a garden, especially in Houston, you know it's impossible. Like it, nothing will ever grow in your area unless you're an amazing planter and so God bless you. Um, but if you're like me, you plant a garden and nothing ever grows. And so you're there and you're just like, let's plant. And, and maybe five years from now, it's gonna be something beautiful. And, and that's what God's saying. You plant and you till and you labor and you grow. And then he says this in verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I'll give you two things from this passage that are very, very important. The first is this, that God determines the times and the boundaries of your habitation. Your company didn't bring you to Houston. <laughs> uh, your, your job opportunity didn't bring you to Houston. Your spouse didn't bring you to Houston. God himself is in control of the times and boundaries of your habitation. Paul says this in Acts 17. He says he's determined the appointed times and boundaries of your habitation to the Jewish people in this moment. He says, I sent you from Jerusalem to Babylon. This isn't about a kingdom takeover. This is about my sovereign choice and will. The reason you're here by you city is because God wants to do something through you, specifically in this place. I sent you to this city. But secondly, he tells, says to them, I want you to do something there. I want you to seek. That means I want you to look for. The word seek in Hebrew literally means to consult, to find out, to learn information not previously known. It means to be sought after, to inquire. That means you need to have your eyes open. I want you to seek something. He says, I want you to seek the welfare of the city. That word welfare is in the Hebrew word shalom. It's the word peace, but it's more than peace. It's more than the absence of what's wrong. It's the presence of what's right. And he says, I want you to go to the city and I want you to seek its peace, its welfare. I want you to move into the broken fabric of society and I want you to restore what has been broken. Oh, that's a huge call. And Bayou City Fellowship has been a part of that mission. We have been for the city. And the goal, our goal here, is to be kingdom representatives of the great king and to come to this place. And when, when Bayou City's days are done at some distant 150 million years in the future, when we're done and Jesus returns, the people of Houston will be celebrating in heaven because they say, you know what? We were better because of the gift and the deposit that was planted by the people of Bayou City Fellowship. They were for the city. So how have we done that? There's three major ways that we have done that historically here at Bayou City Fellowship. We've done it locally, 
We have done it globally and we've done it financially. I've heard so many stories of, of the early days of Bayou City Fellowship when Curtis Jones, who had planted this church, comes into the finance office and says, we wanna give away like 80, 90% of our income to helping. And then the financial people said, okay, Curtis, that's a beautiful vision, um, but we won't eat uh, if we do that. And so let's, let's tailor that back. But, but that heartbeat of we want to give and we want to support and we want to love, that has not faded. And so the first thing is locally. Bayou City um, has been a part of stopping slavery in the city. Uh, Slavery actually is a modern thing, and and for many of them, it's people are trafficked across the world, and the I-10 corridor has been a major thoroughfare for, for slavery in our nation, for people that are trafficked. And Bayou City has said, you know what? We want to go to that broken place. We want to go to that broken fabric of society and we want to be there to help, to bring healing and help. And so we've supported financially and personnel to help stop this this epidemic that is in our city, but also affecting our world. Additionally, we've done uh, events like Overflow that you've already heard about, where where we care for for moms um, that are raising kids alone and, and, and help them like with cleaning their cars out and providing a great night for them and, and helping them financially. This is an incredible ministry. We've also done Bayou City Nights where we're helping to reach uh, underserved kids in our communities. Um, there's the English Gateway Program over the Cypress campus that are helping people that, are, um, that don't know English to learn English so that they can thrive in this environment. And there's Bayou City Relief. Um, when, when Harvey hit Houston, there was a tremendous need. There's a tremendous need. And the place we're filming right now, I've heard so many stories since coming here, uh, where all the, all the chairs were taken out, uh, there's garage doors on each side, they were opened up, and they literally had trucks coming in with supplies and going out to serve the community around the Houston area. And it was amazing to see you people, the people of Bayou City, come together and say, you know what, there's a brokenness in our community, and we're going to come together, and we're going to go help. And the stories are amazing. Been able to go to an area called Cashmere Gardens, and to love on those people, and care for those people, and help those people thrive and grow. One individual, um, I, I know for a fact that we've, we've actually even helped him start a business um, through this process. The gift of Bayou City has been absolutely amazing, but not just locally, globally. We want to be for the world, and so we have missionaries that literally go all over the world, give you a couple different places. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, and uh, God forgive me. Um, shall we, uh, shall we, shall we? The shall we people. Shall we people, thank you. The shall we people group. In 2016, we committed to spearhead an effort to go and bring the gospel, and 16 baptized believers have gone to this unreached people group um, or, or have been uh, brought out from this unreached people group. There's an Ecuadorian soccer ministry that we've been a part of for years. We have a Bible institute in which we train pastors in Ecuador, uh, Pernalis. Um, we have Launch Global that continues to train missionaries to go over, overseas as part of this community. We have a heart to go to the world and bring missionaries and bring help so the gospel continued to go forth. And financially, in 2011, if you like spreadsheets, you're gonna love this one that I'm gonna read to you. In 2011, we gave away $22,000 to outreach initiatives. 
In 2012, that was 177,000. In 2013, 459,000. Jump to 2016, $927,000. In 2017, we broke the million dollar mark and went um, 1.3 million to outreach. In 2019, $2.4 million was given to outreach to help these initiatives across the world. We wanna be a place that gives that God can bless and he knows that blessing is gonna flow through and help the world. We are for the city and we are for the world. You know, uh, it's so fun to hear what we get to do and be a part of through being the, I love that idea of being an embassy, right? Uh, For another realm here and to be able to serve where we are and serve globally. And the question often is how? How do we do those things? And um, it's really simple. It's really simple, and it's the thing that sets Bayou City apart. It's the thing that makes us unique, and it's the thing that has been clung to, I think, in order to maintain the vision of where we've been, but also where we're going. Um, the, the story goes that a, a Bible study teacher asks his kids, hey, what's, what's small and furry, has a big bushy tail, collects nuts and lives in a tree? And the kid thinks and thinks and thinks. He says, I think it's a squirrel, but I'm gonna say Jesus, right? It's the idea, like, is it that simple? Because I think a lot of times we wonder, is it really that simple? Is Jesus really enough? Is he really the answer that we need to plant churches, to see people come to Christ, to serve the city and the world, to help the vulnerable, to, to minister to the orphans and the widows in their distress, and to keep ourselves from being corrupted by the world? Is it really that simple? See, I think because a lot of times we want to really be part of the answer, so we kind of buff up, the, we help the power of God by our efforts and our events, our entertainment, and all the things we do to kind of muddy the waters. But in reality, the thing that sets us apart is a radical focus on Jesus. It's on the name that's above every other name. Jesus, when he sends out the 72 in Luke chapter 10, he sends them out, he says, hey, wherever you go, eat what's before you, and he says, tell them this, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's what Icky said. It's what Kevin said. The kingdom of heaven is near. And he sends them out. And when they come back, their response isn't, oh, Jesus, a whole bunch of people want to know you. They said, the demons submitted to us. <laughs> they, were, they saw the power of God, and their focus turned from Jesus' direction in the kingdom of heaven to their ability to help God out. And what Jesus tells me, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw him fall light line. He says, he says, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And the idea is that we should, we have to, we have to be so focused on Jesus and lift up that name above every other name, right? Because that is what's gonna see real power go out. That's gonna, that's gonna be the thing that gets us to that planting churches, serving people the way that we need to so that we fade into the background in the name of Jesus. He says, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw them into myself. He doesn't say, hey, when I lift up Pastor Johnny or Pastor Kevin or Pastor Icky or so on and so forth, he says, no, if when I'm lifted up, I'll draw them into myself. And then you see this with Peter. Uh, you know, Peter stands before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four and he says, salvation is found in no one else. If you want your name written in heaven, it's gonna be found in no one else. He says, there is no other name by which men can be saved. And then we all know Philippians chapter two says, as Jesus humbled himself, he was equal with God. He humbled himself, became obedient to death on a cross. And it says that God gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, right? In heaven, 
under the earth over the, that he is Lord. At the end of the day, that's what sets us apart. It's what has set us apart. It's what will set us apart. We're not trying to be like any other church down the street. We wanna work with them and serve them and be a part of the greater body, but the thing that should and will and has to set us apart is this radical focus on Jesus Christ, the name that's above every other name. And I wonder like if, if we do that, like what changes? You know, you talked about marriage. What happens when we radically focus on Jesus? It means we serve our spouses better. We raise our kids differently, right? And people look and go, man, what's going on? It, it changes. We wanna see lives restored. We wanna see people healed. Like what if we had a different expectation of gathering on Sunday and we also had an expectation of going out from the gathering into the week? With that radical focus on Jesus, not only will we see churches planted, these embassies in this realm who are for the realm of God, we will see a greater level of service and sacrifice because that power that comes from God's spirit to us, to, it empowers us to do all those things. But if we become radically focused on ourselves, on our abilities, our power, then Bayou City will be diminished and then it will fall by the wayside in the wake of somebody else. And I don't know about you, but I know Icky, Kevin, and myself, and a whole host of you who are serving and are worshiping even online, your desire, your goal is to focus your whole life on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who set before us this path. That's how we'll plant churches. That's how we'll serve the city and the world. And it is how we will see lives get written into heaven because of the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross and resurrection. So we hope that you'll join us. We hope that you will, for the next nine years and the nine years after that and the nine years after that, we'll stay so focused on Jesus that we can together pour ourselves out, be so depleted that we have to come together to worship Jesus and gain the things that he has for us to do. Father God, we're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for the, the purpose you have, the hope that we have in Jesus as we look to him and we serve you and surrender our lives to you as our Lord and Savior, God, would you give us great passion to serve those in this city and around the world, and would you give us the energy and courage to plant these embassies so that many would come to know the grace and mercy that only comes through your son, Jesus Christ. We look forward to all you're gonna do, Lord. Thank you for the last nine years, and we praise you for what's to come. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray all these things, amen.